Ahead was the staircase leading to the tenants' landings, and to the left of the staircase, a short passage leading to Millie's sitting room, kitchen, bedroom, and its adjoining conservatory and her back garden, which was good and sizable for a London house. These streets had been built for merchant families of the past century. Upstairs on the first floor was a bathroom and furnished rooms let to two single tenants and a couple. In the front bed-sitting room, which also had a bow window and a small kitchen adjacent, lived the couple, Basil Carlin and his wife Eva, both approaching forty and without children. Eva was a part-time infant school teacher. Basil, by his own definition, was an engineering accountant. The Carlins were unusually quiet. Once they were locked in their room, no sound ever issued even after midnight when the natural noises of the house had ended for the day. Next door to the Carlins was a large bedroom looking out into the garden. It had a wash basin and a gas ring with a usual dark steel box beside it, with slots for pennies and for shillings. Here lived and worked Wanda, the Polish dressmaker, whose capacity for suffering verged on rapacity. But Wanda Podolak was generous of heart, even though she could never admit to an instant of happiness. She had many visitors, some clients, her ladies, she called them, volubly having their dresses fitted, some compatriot friends, some of whom she described as enemies. Most of her visitors came from six o'clock in the evening onwards, after their hours of work, the clients being given preference over the friends and enemies who had to wait on the landing till the fittings should be over. When Wanda entertained, she didn't put away her work. The buzz of her sewing machine went on intermittently, together with the sonorous Polish voices of the men, the clamour of the women, and the clatter of cups and saucers as tea was prepared. The Polish conversations seemed all the louder for being unintelligible to anyone passing Wanda's door. At the far end of the first landing was a smaller room occupied by Kate Parker, a twenty-five-year-old district nurse, small, dark, plump, with round, black, bird-like eyes and white, gleaming teeth. She was a cockney. She seemed to give off vibrations of vigour, and certainly she had great courage. Kate was frequently out for the evening or away on a job, but on the few nights she was at home, she cleaned her room. She was very thorough and eager about her cleaning, indeed about everybody's house-cleaning, When she entered anyone else's room for a cup of tea or to take their temperature, she would often say, politely, "'Your room's nice and clean.' If she failed to say this, it meant that your room wasn't clean. Kate detested germs, the work of the devil. So on the evenings when she was at home, she would haul her furniture out on the landing and scrub her linoleum with Dettol. The furniture, too, would have been scrubbed with disinfectant had it not been the landlady's property. Millie, long-suffering though she was, had objected to her table, chairs and bed being so much as wiped with a cloth impregnated with the stuff. It was enough, she said, that the house smelt of hospital after Kate's energetic cleaning. She gave Kate some lavender wax to clean her furniture with. It was impossible not to know that Kate was at home for the evening by the bumping and dragging of the furniture onto the landing, and the mixed reek of lavender and disinfectant. 
Kate vowed that when she had the money saved up and a place of her own, it would be furnished with white-painted washable wood. Kate was strict and proud about her savings. They went into the post office. She kept in a cupboard in her room a series of little boxes with ready money in them. They were respectively marked electricity, gas, bus fares, lunches, phone, and sundries. Kate manicured her nails very carefully before going to bed, after the cleaning and hauling was over. She laid out her clothes for the morning with extra neatness. She would sometimes accept a drink, a sherry or a whiskey, before going to bed, but always with a solemn sigh, as if to convey that she shouldn't really be taking the stuff. It might lead to ruin. The floor above was where I lived, in an attic room with a slanting ceiling. A stove and sink were installed. There was a built-in shower in the corner, and under the slanting roof, a deep...